Untitled Beatles podcast. Welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast, TJ. Hey, Tony, how are you? It's good to see you and uh, and uh, talk Beatles with you for the first time in a few days. It's true. We're packing in a few episodes while we've got a little mini break from our busy, busy lives. It is true. We are busy, um, but we love doing these. So busy. I, I I got all these papers. I got so much paperwork. I don't know. You know, it's almost like I need a new filing cabinet or a secretary of some sort. It's nonstop paperwork. <laughs> that's what busy people said in the 70s, I think. It's true. Well, and that's why temporary secretary came about. I mean, I think you just found the origin of it. I, but there's a lot she could be. I mean, she could be a belly dancer. You know, I don't need a true romancer. I never get the words right. She can be a belly dancer. I don't need a true romancer. I've never needed a true romancer. I prefer my romancers to be a little bit dishonest. I, I like dishonest romancers. That's uh, the follow up to Reservoir Dogs was dishonest romancer. <laughs> <laughs> Did I make a Tarantino movie that isn't? Did Tarantino do True Romance? Did I make that up? He did the screenplay on that. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'll yeah. take half and, credit then. And he wrote his a lot of those early screenplays at the House of Pies, which is just a stone's throw from Danzig's house. Really? Yeah, on Franklin. It's an obligatory Danzig reference. <laughs> you got Huey Lewis. I got Danzig. That's fine. Let's see who wins. <laughs> Fuck, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do well in this. <laughs> I thought Huey Lewis punched Danzig out at backstage at that concert. Danzig probably fucking deserved it. <laughs> Did you hear that Danzig Springsteen covers album, Danzig in the Dark? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're both from New Jersey, so yeah. <laughs> Danzig is not some punk ass bitch doing Jeep commercials on the Super Bowl. <laughs> Gauntlet throne. Wow. Yeah. The boss. <laughs> Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. <laughs> now bring your copies of Nebraska so we can burn them for <laughs> Springsteen burning buddy. No, I, I, I love Bruce Springsteen. I actually I'm not there are Springsteen heads. I'm far from being one of those people, but Springsteen. Right. Almost everything I know of him, I'm putting Tunnel of Love and Lucky Town in parentheses, uh, is great and deserves much repeat listening, especially like the, the River and Born to Run and Greetings Masbury Park, all the kind of 70s Columbia stuff still held up great, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason why he's uh, relevant still. So yeah. it's cool. Like, same with Danzig. <laughs> Danzig did just put out an Elvis covers record that he'd been talking about for like 20 years. He finally did it. Did he really? Finally. Why did that not get more pub and cream? Everybody's got the we just took a sentimental journey all the way around the block. This is the Untitled Beatles podcast. Yeah. And I'm prepared to go deep in sentimental journey today. Gonna take a sentimental journey. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so I did not get that memo. I thought okay. we were doing our favorite Beatles extras tracks, you know, from all those heavy deluxe reissues that are jam-packed with all sorts of alternate takes and demos. Maybe there's a live version of things here and there. I thought we were compiling those, our favorites from that. Fine, I'll do that because I did do that homework and it was so much fun. One of the things about the deluxe issues is you listen to all the bonus material. At least the way I listen to it is it's kind of like, whoa, I've never heard that before. Oh, I've heard that, uh, uh, but it sounds great. 
And, oh, now I've heard it. This is interesting. I don't know that I need to go back to this. Not everything on the Extra Archive Edition tracks is seminal, just like not everything on the uh, six discs of Anthology is seminal. You know, how often are you listening to, you know, uh, George Martin's score for a beginning? You don't always go back. So getting to go back. That's my alarm, TJ. So don't (laughs) knock that one. It's a great alarm. I do wake up to Here Comes the Sun. I want to be very clear. Oh, do you? It's the only song I know because I stream the Beatles and I bought this great, great collection called the Beatles Animal Songs Morning, Noon, Night. And Here Comes the Sun is on there because it's about an animal in some part of the day. Well, I picked like five or six of my favorites, and I also have some shout-outs as well that uh, can be mentioned. So I culled from the deluxe reissues of Sgt. Pepper, the White Album. Don't know that one. (laughs) It came out after Magical Mystery Tour. Okay, okay. It's also called The Beatles. Maybe you know it as The Beatles, the self-titled. Oh, yeah, I don't know that. I stopped buying Beatles music when the drugs kicked in. <laughs> okay, Mom. <laughs> that was my mom, basically. Aww. I never took it in the studio. Once I did accidentally, I thought it was taking some uppers. White Album, Abbey Road. And then I also included this curious record that was an iTunes only that came out in 2013 called the 1963 Bootleg Sessions, right? Isn't that what it's called? It is, and it came out at the time, and I expected, I think the industry expected that there'd be many more of these. It came out because that's when a lot of the copyrights were about to expire, and if EMI didn't issue them, then they would fall into public domain, and in fact, there's many, many like shady bootleg companies who are releasing other material from other years that EMI never released, on like vine it's weird you can go to best buy on their website and find random unauthorized beatles records with the actual beatles with stuff that emi never released that slipped into some copyright abyss so that that's a crazy release yeah i was always curious about that when that came out in 2013 i was like oh this will be great for the next seven years we'll get one of these at the end of the year it's gonna be great but no we haven't seen that what happened So does that mean like the stuff from 64 is in public domain now and I can just put it on my (laughs) commercial for Wendy's that I'm working on that I'm specking? (laughs) You're going to spec a Wendy's commercial with with you can't do that? (laughs) Yeah. Take two. (laughs) It's kind of a rough version. The solo's not worked out yet, but I think it's going to look great when that burger gets just like smooshed with a bun on top of it. A one, two, three, four. In no particular order, I'm going to start off with Good Morning, Good Morning, Take 8. This is a groovy, stripped-down version of this song. I think this song somehow is more exciting than the finished product. Granted, there are no saxophones on this, and I do love the saxes on Mm -hmm. the final recording. But it really showcases Paul's incredible bass playing which is coupled with Ringo's exciting drumming. Again, this is one of those crazy John Lennon songs in a weird time signature that you don't recognize as a weird time signature because it's kind of seamless how he's able to make these crazy chord transitions. But yeah, Paul is playing that bass, especially at the beginning when he's doing like double time, and it almost makes it sound like Ringo is playing double bass. 
Yeah. You know, it's really cool. And then those guitar chords that John is playing are weird. Yeah. This is a really weird song. Yeah. And I love how it ended up sounding so pop and actually, you know, quote unquote commercial, considering it was inspired by a, a cornflakes commercial. I don't know. I just love this song. I think it's just exciting and it's very kooky 60s. Nothing to do to save his life, call his wife in. Nothing to say, but what a day. How's your boy been? Nothing to do, it's up to you. Yeah, and fits perfectly in the spirit of Pepper. And I like this version. This is a uh, it, it, this is a cool one. Yeah, and you can hear Paul shouting and stuff like off mic. You know that love that room mic stuff picked up on by the drum mics probably or some microphone. It's just big fun. And uh, yeah, yeah, I just I just like this version. That's a great one. I'm gonna pick the first song off the extras on Sergeant Pepper. That has always been one of my favorites since I had the ultra rare tracks CD of this, I think volume five. Nice. Take one of strawberry fields has always been among my favorite takes of any song the Beatles have ever done. And it's never sounded better. Here's what's so weird on the bootleg. I've had of this since maybe 90 or 91, the ultra rare track CD Right during the second verse, you hear these beautiful layered harmonies. Yeah. Then when they issued it on Anthology, this same uh, takes an Anthology too. Right. The harmonies are gone. Yeah, what what gives? <laughs> I, I don't understand what that choice was at the time. And then on the Sgt. Pepper deluxe reissue, it's A, never sounded better, and B, those harmonies have never sounded more gorgeous. So they've been restored. So yeah, this one to me was, I, I knew it before anthology two came out. Uh, then when anthology two came out, I was like, where are the harmonies? And now that they're back and glorious, this has been a favorite take of mine for years. And it's the perfect, perfect reading of this most incredible of John Lennon songs. Let me take you down. Cause I'm going to strawberry fields. Nothing is real Nothing to get hung about Strawberry fields forever Always know sometimes think it's me But you know I know and it's a dream I think I know, I mean, uh, yes, but it's all wrong That is, I think I disagree let me take you down Cause I'm going to Strawberry fields Nothing is real And nothing to get hung about Strawberry fields forever 
strawberry feels forever strawberry feels forever yeah it's cool you can actually hear it in its original key too because they had to very speed both versions to make it in whatever key it's not in a in a real key the finished product it's like split between two keys yeah yeah it's like in between a flat or something like that but um yeah so you can you can actually play along to this song if you wanted to play along on a guitar piano or whatever melodrama if you will if you if you have a a, a flute <laughs> if you have a piccolo trumpet if you're dave mason That's just a great one. And, you know, uh, John was never thrilled with the production of his songs. Right. You know, he felt about I Am the Walrus. This was one Strawberry Fields Across the Universe. And I agree, the production of the finished version of this, as glorious as it is, is very messy and thick and it's in a weird non-key. I think I prefer it in mono. So what's so great about the existence of this one remixed is it feels way more purposeful than it ever felt. It like transcends a demo. Yeah, and you can see what stuff they kept and what stuff they didn't. I think they don't have the Mellotron part, the opening passage that Paul plays. I don't think Not that's yet, worked no. out yet. Yeah. It's just John strumming. There's that wild, I, I want to say that's got to be George doing that, that slide guitar that's really high in the mix. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and then it, it bombs out on the high note. It goes like, Doo! it's real cool. Yeah, so that didn't make it, and uh, yeah, and I always like the ending too. It does. Yeah, obviously, they're going to do some kind of a fade out on it, but uh, it's definitely a more melodic ending than the finished product, which is more like chaos and a thundering herd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard the third is love? <laughs> the thundering thunder, the hun thundering herd, hundering third. Have you ever hundred a third? You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Sounds like safari stuff, and I, I don't do that. I'm not. I can't do that. Not true. That's for Jimmy John's you, and Trump. You own the Serpent Safari uh, Beach Boys compilation <laughs> on the green capital vinyl, not green vinyl, but the green label, the budget label. Oh no, I bought the green vinyl. I, that's the reason why I still rent. <laughs> <laughs> I still rent too, Tony. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six. Are we not doing that? No, no, we're not doing that. Fuck. I always get it wrong. I try to throw in a rent reference, and then it's like, fuck. In daylight, in Beatles, we all think Pete Best was better. Stu Sutcliffe was probably the best player of them all. TJ, it's this is a rent-free zone. <laughs> it's also what they call it the 46 zone. Super Bowl <laughs> shuffle reference for you there, folks. Well, they call me sweetness, and I like to dance. Running the ball is like making more mans. <laughs> you talking about the defense? Are you talking about the Buddy Ryan defense? Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Buddy Ryan. Yeah, Dicka, you, you're Ryan. a weirdo, but thank you for that trophy. Nah, you gotta, nah, the, the Sarah Palin's really smart. Shut up, <laughs> coach. Is your IQ, buddy? Zero. <laughs> That's why it's so great, the press conference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always say to my Dicka defenders, if Dicka was so great, why didn't he run a play for sweetness in the Super Bowl to score a touchdown? Fridge Ooh. got a touchdown. Walter yeah. Payton didn't. Now he's yeah. dead. Fuck you, Koch. <laughs> Dear Untitled Beatles Podcast, 
You can say what you want about your left-wing bullshit, but you leave Ditka alone. I eat his house-brand jardinera. See that? That's your IQ, buddy. Zero. Well, next on my list is something off the White Album, and this one got some attention when it came out. This would be Take 10 of Good Night, which is the one that has the guitars in it, uh, which is the guitar part from Take 5. And I just love this. The Brubeck tune. No! <laughs> Ringo totally lifted Brubeck for this one. (laughs) (laughs) No, this one is in 4-4, thankfully. And I just love it. You know, I know I've mentioned how much I like that Donovan style picking on this show over 100 times. But it is featured in this version of Goodnight as well as the other Beatles harmonizing. So you have all four Beatles singing on this song. Now it's time to say goodnight, goodnight, sleep tight. Now the sun puts out his light, goodnight, sleep It's a little rough around the edges. Hooray. I like that kind of stuff. The drums are in there. They're faintly in the background, but there's some drums on here. I just love it. I do think they made the right decision to put the Disney version on the album. I think that would be how you have to follow Revolution 9. It makes so much sense. And also for this album, the White Album, which is just like every song is a different band. But I think this song would actually make a great B-side for some imaginary White Album 45. The earlier takes, and this one in particular, it really is a breath of fresh air. And I hadn't thought of that before. Yeah, you're right. It's got all the Beatles on it. Which is great. During the White Album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they right. got them in the same room. One of the rare times <laughs> they were each in their own studio working on their own stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, I just like this one. It's interesting because with the White Album, the... Esher demos slash Escher, depending on your perspective, and that's a religious thing. We don't judge. <laughs> but the Esher demos are programmed to mimic the album running order, not the way in which they were recorded. So it's interesting that the Esher demos are meant to kind of, it's back in the USSR and their prudence. And I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, in an age of like, you know, when you listen to a CD, you just, you know, program it any way you want on your Fisher 8 disc car player. <laughs> but I mean, nice. you know, so I, I'm aware you can make it any way you want, but it's interesting to me that that they chose that versus for historical purposes. But along those lines, not the first song they recorded for Esher, but the first song that mimics the album. I love the Esher back in the USSR. I feel like it's lighter. I always I feel like the double tracking's always about to go off the rails. I feel like it just kind of it's like a real version of what that Beach Boys party album's supposed to be. Yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like of, an actual Beatle party. It's an actual Beatle party. Paul fucking around with the R and USSR, the Yelps and the Screams. It's a really exciting track. A lot of those Esher demos are very 
ballady acoustic slow. This one, Revolution's another Ubla D too, but this one just kind of rocks. Flew in from Miami Beach, Bay OAC. Didn't get to bed last night. On the way, the paperback was on my knee. Man, I had an awful flight. I'm back in the USSR. You don't know how lucky you are, boy. Back in the USSR. Been away so long, I hardly knew the place. Gee, it's good to be back home. Leave it till tomorrow to unpack my case. Honey, disconnect the phone. I'm back in the USSR. You don't know how lucky you are, boy. Back in the US, back in the US, back in the USSR. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it is fun. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned the order because I actually have only heard it in the order of the album. That's how I heard the Esher demos when I got them on a bootleg cassette, once again at the record show there in Hillside. And that's how they were compiled. So perhaps you've heard the Esher demos in the order they were recorded? I've never heard them in the order they were recorded, but I looked up how they were recorded and they were not recorded in the way that the album running order was, which is what I think a lot of bootleggers have presented it that way. And certainly uh, Beatles made the choice to do that here too. Right. But no, back in the USSR was not one of the first ones recorded for that demo. Oh, that'd be fun though. I'd like to actually listen to it. If there is, there, there must be a list then that shows yeah. the order that they were, oh, I'd love to hear it that way. That would actually yeah. be pretty cool. Well, I'm going to jump to Abbey road and this one might surprise you, TJ. But one of my favorite extras off of the uh, 2019 Abbey Road release is something take 39 string arrangement only. Wow. <laughs> this, this is one that I term lovely slash perfunctory. <laughs> perfunctory. That's kind of a pejorative word, don't you think? Uh, yeah. Let me remember what pejorative <laughs> means. I wrote down, I'm surprised this made my list, but when you hear it, first of all, it, you know, it comes in halfway through the song, so you're not having to listen to three minutes of it. It's just about a minute and a half or so, but it, there's a haunting quality to it that on its own, it's a different piece. When you throw it in the music, it makes more sense and it's very major key and very, it's a beautiful song, right? It's, it's you know, Sinatra, Elvis covered it, you know, it's, it's a very popular song. Sinatra called it his favorite Lennon McCartney song. Right. Remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, so on its own, it has this other kind of a sad, strange, almost eerie quality to it that only gets out of that when you hear the, the famous hook of the do-do-do-do-do-do, then you know what this is.
the earlier takes of something, there's one, and now I'm forgetting if this one's on Anthology or the Abbey Road box, so forgive me, but it's the demo of George doing it on his electric guitar. Yeah, yes. Is one of my favorite demos I've ever, like, that. That's that's one that actually brings tears to my eyes. So any version of something, any demo of it, uh, and the strings arrangement is lovely, and that's some of George Martin's most beautiful and tasteful score what am i saying everything he did was beautiful and tasteful it's the reason i don't love she's leaving home because george martin wasn't given the chance to to arrange it for real it's a whole different thing doesn't know what it wants to be under george martin is not it's not as schmaltzy right no you're right no i'm i'm i only giggle i just i just love it you will never forgive paul mccartney for that one I, no, I'll never forgive releasing it in stereo. Mono, she's leaving home, fine. Stereo, she's leaving home, Dexterize it. Save it for rarities. It wasn't rarities, a mono version. Um, so, okay, this is one uh, I'm going to kind of combine a few. I'm going to cheat for a second if I could. Sure, by all means. Three in a row, take 20, a mean Mr. Mustard. Take 27 of Polythene Pam into take 27 of She Came Through the Bathroom Window. The little kind of pieces and parts of the long medley kind of coming together are just exhilarating and thrilling. And I think it's weird that a part of Abbey Road that's the most famous is quote-unquote overlooked, but the individual songs are overlooked. The beauty of taking these spare pieces and parts that have been laying around me, Mr. Mustard, Polythene Pam are by themselves tiny songs. Came Through the Bathroom Window is a short song, too. But all fused together in that medley, they're just so beautiful. And to hear them working on this, um, McCartney's fuzz bass in Mean Mr. Mustard is, is so prominent. In Polythene Pam, John Lennon says, you sound like Dave Clark. It's like Tommy in here. If you don't do so much to start off with, because you blow it all, you know, you know what I mean? You give away all your, your best bits. What are you doing at the beginning? Who? Okay. <laughs> sounds like Dave Clark. <laughs> it's like being Tommy in here. <laughs> One, two, three, four. I love that. It's so funny. And that solo George is playing, even kind of kind of working that solo out. And then uh take 27 of she came through the bathroom window. This is thrilling any way you hear it, whether it's the slow version that's on anthology three or the more up-tempo versions that we know now. Paul Paul trotted this one out for the first and only time on the 2005 tour. And it was a surprise if you didn't know what was coming because he started with too many people. And after the solos and too many people, which he'd also never done live. Excuse me. He might have done it on one of those early Wings tours, but certainly not in 75, 76, etc. 
So too many people was shocking, and then too many people comes to a hard stop. He went right into she came through the bathroom window, and it's one. It felt like a medley, and it's part Ram and part Abbey Road, and it was like one of the most incredible moments. You felt the whole crowd recognizing how special that was on that 05 tour that was loaded with weird stuff. Just a long way of saying that's one of my favorite songs, and hearing it here is particularly awesome. So I quit the police department. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, those individual songs definitely get left out as individual songs from the long one. And I also still think that they made the right choice of taking Her Majesty out of the uh, the long one, which is uh, all those songs strung together. It's the extra on Abbey Road 2019. You get to hear it as originally heard with Her yeah. Majesty in between there. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, it totally like takes the energy out of the whole thing. It changes the medley. The stray guitar chord almost sounds more stray. It doesn't sound better. It sounds jarring. I can't explain it. Yeah, I think that was one of those things that looked good on paper or like, you know, but then once they assembled it, it was like, ah, it doesn't quite work. And it's such a good idea. And and then, you know, because of that, we have that kooky ending to Abbey Road with Her Majesty and the, the cut note. And the jarring guitar chord that comes out of nowhere after, what, 20 seconds of silence. <laughs> yeah. Did that ever scare the shit out of you? Uh, every time. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know, uh, maybe because we had an American copy of Sgt. Pepper, I never heard the dog pitch or the do the yassi yassi wassi wassi was the inner groove stuff. Right. I didn't know that till the CD came out. I'd never heard it before. But yeah, Abbey Road on vinyl, I distinctly remember hearing that. It's jarring, especially after the beauty and, no pun intended, majesty of the end. I mean, my God, it's... there's. We'll have to do a whole show on Beatles crying moments because the last, what, 12 bars of the Abbey Road medley is like number one or two on my list right after Day in the Life. Um, and both of those are two of the most powerful endings in Beatle history. Agreed. Well, disagree. Actually, I, I like um, I like the I got nothing. I was no, you 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 love hold me tight. Well, I'm going to go back to the White Album, and I know how earlier I mentioned how it's like the album is like every song is a different band. And there's an extra on the White Album of the Beatles covering Elvis doing You're So Square, Baby, I Don't Care. This is on my list, too. Is that right? You bet. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm shocked. (laughs) I like Elvis's music. I just I don't like him. (laughs) One of these days we're going to sit down and we're going to watch when the pandemic's over. We're going to watch Elvis. That's the way it is. And I'm going to I'm going to make you 
like him. No, that's great. And then and then we can watch the picture of him shaking Nixon's hand and smiling. It's just so fun because this was during basically the what became the final version of Helter Skelter. So it's like it's like the Helter Skelter combo covers Elvis. And it's great. And Paul's Elvis is really good. It always is. And especially with that ripping guitar on there. Like that's something you can't get on an old Sun Records or whatever. So this is like a really just, I don't know, man. Like I, I like rock and roll. And when, it's, when it sounds like 1968 rock and roll, I really like it. Paul McCartney, to me, has one of the best rock voices, maybe the best rock voice ever. The versatility is outrageous. And on this take, him rocking Elvis, even, I think, early 2000s, he did a cover of That's All Right for an Elvis tribute project. And, like, yeah, I think when Paul and John sang Elvis and did those covers, Elvis was so embossed in their souls because they loved him so much that I think it's like Paul with Little Richard. wasn't hard to do a Little Richard impression. Little Richard was infused in Paul McCartney's spirit and musical soul. Completely, yeah. Yeah, and I always want to point out, I believe Paul McCartney, speaking to him being a great vocalist, I believe in the same night he did I've Just Seen a Face, I'm Down, and Yesterday. I think those were all recorded on the same night. Okay, so I'm going to give another one right now from Sgt. Pepper, and I'm also going to cheat and give you a twofer because of the same song. Getting Better Take 1 and then Getting Better Take 12 are two of my favorite Beatle moments. I don't think I'd heard either of those till this reissue came out. Right. And it was just it was just incredible. That Take 1, it feels like they perfected the sunny 1960s keyboard tune. I wrote down it's their most monkeys moment. <laughs> it's pure 1967 sunshine. talking Paul through the opening Ringo's nifty entrance before the verse it is just it's so nice and then take 12 that drone of the tambora and the keyboard Now 
it feels like they're about to go into the Buckingham song, Susan. <laughs> Remember that Buckingham song, Susan? Because it started out real, like, light and airy and silly, and then the middle of it, they did, like, in like a nightmare, I think, acid trip, like people screaming in minor orchestra keys <laughs> to try to be artistic. <laughs> and then they came out with, love, 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 before going back into the Susan, na-na-na-na-na-na. But yeah, these two getting betters bring pure joy to my face. I love these songs anyway. And you know, the the, the lyrics are dark. McCartney's lyric, used to be cruel to my woman. I, I beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved is was not is not just troubling in 2021. That's a bad line in 1967. And the song hearing that, I think is George on the tambora, that kind of drone that's going on underneath it. I love these two takes of this, Tony. Yeah, that first take, it is wild. I completely agree that take one sounds very 60s, almost so 60s, it's almost like not the Beatles. It sounds like... Yes, right? that's what I mean. Right, like you said with the monkeys or whatever. Yeah, it, it also sounds great, but it is like, whoa, this is not quite the song getting better that I know. It hasn't found its their signature on it, which is the tambura and that sort of a thing. It's like Flo and Eddie do it. And, you know, like oh, <laughs> great 60s bands. Love the monkeys, love the turtles. Yeah. But to me, it's like their perfect 60s song in this form. Speaking of that, the turtles, they put out an album, I want to say, in 68, where each song was a different band or something like that. So that, they kind of did that around the White Album era, too. It was in the really? air. Okay. Yeah, I forget what it's called. But, yeah, I want to say they even had different band names for each song. But that might be in my head. I forget. I kind of went through a Turtles thing once, <laughs> at, once. at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> you mean that showbiz pizza to you, son? Thank you. Well, man, I'm going to stay on the White Album. And here's another one that surprised me, but I really like Martha, my dear, without brass and strings. On my list. Is that right? Yeah, man. <laughs> Turns out we have similar tastes with these uh, reissues, man. What do you like about it? I love the idea. It's It feels like a tight rock song without the strings and the brass backing. It actually highlights the, the different keys, the different time signatures. The whole thing's a masterpiece that you really appreciate more without the strings and the brass. And I love it with strings and brass. It's one of my favorite White Album tunes. But hearing it in a more natural form here showcases how great of a Paul McCartney composition this is. Martha, my dear, perpetually underrated in the McCartney catalog.
it for the same reason. Uh, mainly, you can actually hear the guitar, which has kind of yes. a, a raw quality to it. That yeah, it's either mixed low or maybe it got pushed aside, you know, by the. It's kind of a more of a bourgeois arrangement, you know. So without that arrangement, this song it's less. I don't know. I always see the color white when I and I'm not talking about race. I'm just saying like the color white is what this song is to me, you know. So without all the the strings on it. It brings it down to more of like a more of a rock and roll song, even though it's not quite rock and roll. But yeah, what, what is this? Song? It's, I guess it's like a pop tune. Yeah, it, it's in this form, especially I know this is ironic because it doesn't have the brass. It's like it feels like Penny Lane's distant cousin. Interesting. Penny Lane's also a pop rock song, too. Martha, my dear, kind of has that same gait, has that kind of same feel to it. Right, right. And also, I love the single-tracked vocal. Yeah. It's really nice to just hear Paul as is singing it quite well. I would argue he didn't need the double track on this. If we're doing White Album stuff, then I'm going to go ahead and give you the combination White Album. Blue Moon, Step Inside Love, Lost Paranoias. (laughs) Um, The jams. Those little jams of McCartney all doing that I will type of, of arrangement. Sound, yeah, yeah. That arrangement for these songs. I've always loved Step Inside Love. Uh, Elvis Costello sang a version of this in the late 80s or early 90s that is a great cover. It's on my favorite McCartney covers list. And of course, Elvis Costello and Paul have become pretty tight since the Flowers in the Dirt um, sessions. But yeah, like. Los Paranoias is goofy. Step Inside right. Love is kind of a goofy, twee song, but in such a perfectly Paul way. Like, it's the yin to John's yang in terms of White Album stuff. Come on now, Jabs. Swing a la Latina. Los Paranoias invite you to to just enjoy us. I can't make it. Come on, you can do it, baby. Come on and join those paranoias. Just enjoy us, those paranoias. It's his more playful, what's the new Mary Jane? Yes. Whereas John's just going off the rails. Paul's going off the rails in his very controlled way, which is also fun. There's also some like, you know my name, look up the number kind of loungy uh, goofs on this. Tony, that was the perfect analogy. And I resent anybody who bashes McCartney for Los Paranoias, but defends John Lennon for a line about Mongolian lamb. (laughs) Come on. Maybe What's New Mary Jane's would inspire Paul to do Meat Free Monday. <laughs> Probably. Meat Free Monday. It's a fun day. And it's happening all around the world. All right, let's, let's do a couple more before we wrap this one. Tony. All right. Where are you picking from? Well, I'm going to pick from that 1963 bootleg recordings record. Uh, so it's on iTunes. That's about the only way you can really listen to it. Obviously, it's been actually bootlegged as well prior to this. So it's basically it's a bunch of the takes from Please Please Me and a whole lot of BBC sessions that were not released on, um, you know, 
Beatles at the Beeb and all that stuff. Uh, you get like seven versions of Taste of Honey and, <laughs> you know, they're they're going through their set. And uh, like we said earlier in the broadcast, these were put out at the 50th anniversary of those recordings to extend the copyright for, I think, another 20 years. That said, towards the end, there's two demos on there. One is Bad to Me, and then the other is I'm in Love, which is a song that John gave to that group, The Foremost, who we've, we've mentioned them once or twice on this show, but they were a, a rock slash comedy band. But hearing this song, I had never heard this song. I didn't know about it. You know, I didn't know who The Foremost were. I'd never heard this song. The first version I heard was this demo uh, at this writing eight years ago, seven years ago, whatever it was. And I just love this song. I love this song. In fact, I remember I went on and it's on a SoundCloud somewhere, but I, I did a weird cover of it that was like instrumental and uh, recorded in my living room back in 2014, I guess it would have been. Anyway, I love this song. I think it's beautiful. I would have loved to have actually heard the Beatles do this one because I, I think it would have been a fun B-side, if anything. Honestly, man, I'm sorry. I know you love I'll Get You. I would take this song over I'll Get You in a heartbeat. In this form? Well, in the, no, the Beatles doing it. Like, I would love okay. to have heard whatever, you know, with drums on it and all that. All right. Uh, do you take Tony Sheridan's Take Out Some Insurance on Me, Baby, over I'll Get You? <laughs> I like Cry for a Shadow more than I'll Get You. I do like a rare <laughs> Lennon Harrison comp. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, these are two fun songs. Bad to Me is one of my all-time favorites. Bad to Me has been a... I've had that on a bootleg since I think Beatles Not For Sale, whatever that bootleg was right. on the NEMS label. Right. And that's one of my favorites forever. And the cheesy version of that they gave away, was it to Billy J. Kramer? And the Dakotas. Who did they give bad to me to? I think it was Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a much cheesier version than the one even in the Beatles demo pocket. Yes. Which I think is just John and Paul playing two guitars. The demo I've heard, it was just John. That's the one I remember hearing. Who's doing the harmonies on To Me at the end? I always said that was Paul doing the To Me. Got it. You're right. I forgot about that. You know, I always in I'm, my head, I always thought he double-tracked it, but could you double-track in 63? I don't think so. I love that Ruddles tune. 
<laughs> Picture double track back in 63. Feels like a, a rental song on archaeology. Double track alley. Right? <laughs> People were proud and double back alley. I love that song so much. <laughs> Um, okay, that okay, that is a great one. Those are both great ones. So here's one that kind of doesn't count, but I'm going to give it to you anyway because it's so strange and the way it was included is strange. But the U.S. Capitol promo of Penny Lane with the piccolo trumpet ending, Capitol includes in the pepper box set as a scratchy mono 45 promo. Yeah, wh- <laughs> why did oh, they do God. that? I, it's on my, if we do top five infuriating Beatle decisions, it's not quite as egregious as leaving the most interesting material from the Flowers and the Dirt sessions off that box set as a CD. You had to download it because Paul was like, you can only have five CDs in the box set. Like the Costello <laughs> demo, the B-sides, Flowers and the Dirt were download only. You can't get them on CD, which is the dumbest thing in the world. Never understood it. This as well. Um, there's clearly better versions of this. Rarities, the U.S. Rarities, right. never on CD, has a Frankenstein version that's not the original one. Not not Edgar Winter Group performing it. Very <laughs> clear. But yeah, they edited one for Rarities. But I, because I got into the Rarities album so young, will always at the end of Penny Lane want to hear Penny Lane, bum 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 over Ringo's trill on the ride cymbal because. Once you hear it, it's hard to unhear it. And it's such a lovely ending. I don't understand. I mean, you can't question Penny Lane, one of the biggest songs ever. Although Penny Lane's Strawberry Fields held out from number one by the great Engelbert Humperdinck and his song Release Me, Stop Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane from going to number one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that U.S. Capitol promo with the Dave Mason uh, piccolo. And only you know and I know Dave Mason. Penny Lane is in my and in my You know what I mean about Penny Lane? Yeah, that, that piccolo trumpet solo is just burned in my in my Penny brain. I want to say that did the Beatlemania guys add it to their version of Penny Lane? I want to say they did. I don't know. I I don't remember that from the Beatlemania original Broadway cast recording on Arista. <laughs> Maybe the version on Pear they edited it in. But I know what you mean. Like I have added it into my own head. When hearing that song, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not. It's it's in there. And that's because, yeah, one of the first records I bought um, on LP of the Beatles was uh, the Rarities record. We're of that age. We're that generation discovering the Beatles and the sticker that said the butcher cover inside. That was a huge marketing ploy. Yeah. And it was cool. Yeah. I held it up in my eighth grade show and tell speech about the Beatles. <laughs> really? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. No one liked it. It was way too long. <laughs> everyone got bored if you're like shut up great white is in the charts <laughs> you suck <laughs> some eighth graders like great white others found the white album great couple shout outs just some shout outs i love the the rehearsals of i want you she's so heavy 
where you can hear someone complaining that they're too loud and too loud. They're being asked to turn down. And they're like, who's telling us to turn down? It sounds like it's like a guy in the neighborhood who was, if you listen closely, that's, it sounds like he's called before. There's some kind of information there. And then, um, yeah, the evolution of Strawberry Fields. I know we talked about that, but it's also cool to hear takes, I think it's four, seven, and then 26 or something, you know, and they add the horns and all that. It's a rush to hear those back to back to back. Yeah. The only thing I wish they would have included was the acoustic demos when he was in Almeria, Spain, writing it. Yeah. And there's two versions of that. I, I know Anthology had one of them, but there's an even earlier version that I is honestly one of my favorite things. I, I just really, whatever, get off on it, as they used to say before that meant. Get off. 23 positions in a one-night stand. Yeah, I also, I like hearing the Everybody's Got Something to Hide Except Me and My Monkey rehearsals. That's cool. That was one of those tape discoveries. Like, they usually, I guess, taped over the rehearsals. And this tape, they didn't fill all the way up, and they got a little surprise. Like, oh, here's some unnumbered, un it's not even a take. It's just them working on the song, getting it together. It's cool. Um, I also like Happiness is a Warm Gun, take 19 which just kind of shows how crazy the song is. It's a really crazy song. And you hear the chatter afterwards saying like, well, it's getting closer. It's no fun. <laughs> and this is Lennon, the guy who wrote it saying like, oh, this song I made is no fun. <laughs> yeah. I love that that's on there. <laughs> and then finally, uh, just take six of Across the Universe, which is just John Lennon with an acoustic guitar and some some Ringo playing very faintly. Uh, but by the way, I do love Across the Universe is on my list as well. Uh, John claimed he was never recorded the way he wanted. I think Take Six might be the best way to hear that song, Tony. That was on my uh, shout-out list, too. Totally. Again, he has those funny time signatures, and I don't know. I don't know how he makes it work. He just adds, like, an extra two beats here sometimes and subtracts some beats there. and But you don't notice it. It's still just a... Like the song itself, it's hypnotic in the way it flows and tumbles like the lyrics suggest. It's a, it's one of my favorite songs of his. It's such a beautiful song. And the Bowie cover of it's pretty great, too, which I think John might play a rhythm guitar on, on that, that Bowie cover. Was that on pinups or? No, I've, no I forget. It might have been on Young Americans, I think. Right, right. I'll give you a couple quick shout outs for me as well. Uh, the Escher, excuse me, Escher, Dear Prudence. I love Lennon's narrating about how Mia Farrow's sister was going insane. John does a monologue about her in the, toward the right. end of the song, which is really funny. Not funny that anyone's going insane, but that John's commenting on real time. Um, the This demo of While My Guitar Gently Weeps is unlike a lot of other demos. Where's the organ? I feel like the bootleg version of this same take has Paul playing organ in the background. Unless I've lost my mind, fellow Beatles fans, correct me, but this same take of All My Guitar Gently Weeps, I have on a bootleg with Paul McCartney playing organ. It's not on here. Maybe I've lost my fucking mind. No, there's there's a version with an organ on it for sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and I feel like it's this one, but the lyrical changes are stunning as well. I look at the trouble and hate that is raging while my guitar gently weeps as I'm sitting here doing nothing but aging while my guitar gently weeps are beautiful lines. Yeah. And it, 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 true to George Harrison, we're, we're prescient. They're just as relevant right now. One of those bootlegs I have is called Nothing But Aging, and it's uh, all White Album era stuff. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've seen that. I don't have it, but I've seen that. 
I love Ubla Diubla Da Take Three. I love the early takes of the song. I actually prefer Take Five on Anthology Three, but this shows it coming into form. The early takes sound less studied than the pounding piano official version. I feel like the more kind of ska reggae early takes of this are just more of kind of what I like to hear. Couple things off Abbey Road real quick. Uh, the demos for Goodbye and also Come and Get yeah. It are yeah. really cool. I was surprised Goodbye was left off the anthology CD, so it's cool that Paul's demo for what would become, a, I think, a substantial Mary Hopkin hit. Um, yeah. Is Paul's demo simple and beautiful included here? Uh, the Come and Get It demo is different than the one in Anthology 3. I think it's the same take but a different mix is what I think that is. But it's it's that's such a fun song. He also sang it on the debut album by the Hollywood Vampires, a super group featuring Alice Cooper, Johnny Depp, and Joe Perry. And that album's <laughs> the end of rock and roll. <laughs> if people want to know why rock and roll died, it's it's the Hollywood Vampires album. <laughs> Sorry. And I love rock. Individually, I like all those people. I have no problem with any of the Alice Cooper, Hall of Famer, Johnny Depp, great actor, Joe Perry, a Hall of Famer. But who needs to hear them all singing together? And who needs that? If you want it, hear it I would also say there's a thrill. We know Ballad of John and Yoko has always been just John and Paul. But hearing John tell Paul, go a bit faster, Ringo, and Paul say, okay, George, is yeah. just a neat studio moment with those two. Yeah, it was cool. Showing Paul's willingness to... Keep this band together, man, <laughs> for as long as it could go. Before we wrap, Tony, I, I did want to say something. All these deluxe archive sets, shortly before Anthology came out, George Martin was asked, is there anything in the vaults? Because in the mid-'80s, they compiled a record called Sessions that was going to be the very, EMI did, that was going to be the very first album of unreleased Beatles stuff. I believe it made it as far as a test pressing. They were going to release a single of Leave My Kitten Alone as a single yeah. in 1985 off of this Beatles Sessions. It was scrapped. And before Anthology, I believe it was George Martin who basically had the party line there's nothing in the vaults. It's the same track of every song. There's nothing to see here. And this is after the John Barrett tapes and after a lot of the Abbey Road stuff got out and even after the Lewisham book, the recording sessions book. But it is, it's false. There's such great stuff that's still in the vaults. I don't know how much to this day, but to have the 63 bootleg, all the archive box sets, the deluxe editions, Hearing the Beatles begin to make their great albums legendary is very special, and we're lucky that they didn't follow the George Martin Nothing to See Here um, Apple party line in the early 90s, late 80s. Agreed, man. Yeah. Yeah, keep them coming, man. Keep these deluxe things coming. Let it be this summer. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Maybe hopefully in our lifetime, maybe we'll get uh, the rest of them because... I'd like to hear that stuff, man. In my life. So take it, Tony. Take it, Tony. <laughs> when I'm feeling all right. When I'm feeling all right. <laughs> you take it, TJ. Well, Paul McCartney never said take it, TJ. <laughs> sure he did. Take it, TJ. Want to hear you play the theme to Sanford and Son. <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. <laughs>